Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. After an eight-day hearing, Molly Martins and her father, Tom Martins, have been sentenced to serve between seven months and 30 months more in prison over the killing of Limerick man Jason Corbett in the States in August 2015. And journalist with the Irish Independent, Ralph Regal, has been keeping us updated from North Carolina and he has covered this from the very beginning and indeed has been involved in a book as well about it. Good morning to you again, Ralph. Um, Good morning, Joe. So this absolute nightmare for the Corbett family is, well, I was about to say at an end, but moving into a more private phase at last. Yeah, and I think if you were to say, Joe, that there is any positive out of this, it's the fact that they have some form of closure. I don't think you could ever say it's the type of form of closure that they wanted. Uh I can't put it any better than than Sarah did in her victim impact statement when she said that just a few years, you know, my dad's life is worth more than just a few years. And if what everyone seems to think happens, happens, which is that Tom and Molly Martins are released from custody in seven months, they will have served just about four and a half years, I think slightly longer than four and a half years uh, for taking a man's life. So on that on that form, it, it's disappointing. I think in every single, there was eight victim impact statements that were delivered on Wednesday and every single one of the eight victim impact statements urged Judge David Hall before Davidson County Superior Court to impose the maximum possible sentence. But as he explained for legal reasons, he couldn't because uh, he, he had to allow various, for, for legal reasons, various of the mitigate, mitigating factors that were submitted by the defence teams. If I'm honest, a lot of the journalists that were there, both Irish and American, in fact, virtually all of the journalists that were there, Irish and American, having listened to the eight days of evidence and what really amounted to the character assassination of Jason Corbett, we really, everyone feared that they would walk free on the day. So I think it was... Um, from the family's point of view, welcome that there at least was a further prison sentence to be served, but it wasn't anything like what they hoped for. But Rav, the judge made it very clear when he was summing up that he had issues with the evidence, particularly around the night in question, the whole key point of the lack of injuries on Tom and Molly Martins compared to the catastrophic injuries that they inflicted on Jason. Yeah, that's a, that's a point very, very well made, Joe. And I think the simplest way of answering it is that it's it's the old legal adage that never confuse the law with justice because there are times when they are very, very different things. And unfortunately, I think that's an example of it. I mean, the judge was, he's a former prosecutor. Um, I have to say he came across as in, in, incredibly fair. He was clearly deeply touched by the evidence and I think especially by the victim impact statements. Now, he went to great pains to say the victim impact statements did not influence him in his judgment, but I think you would have had to have a heart of stone in the court not to have been um, impacted and affected by the sheer emotion that was on display. But you could really see that this judge 
had read everything. He had studied everything. He's a former prosecutor. He was a very, very good prosecutor. And he was specially selected to handle this. So I think he's obviously a judge in very high standing here in North Carolina. And what he did, and it was very interesting, he focused on elements that hadn't really featured in the hearing for the last eight days. And he was quite devastating because he said, look, a case is all about the search for the truth. He said, ideally, that's where at the point we reach, we find out what the truth is. And he said, I've strained every ounce of my skill, my experience and my knowledge. I've read everything. I've listened carefully. and I don't know what the truth is. He said, I've tried my best. I just don't know what the truth is. There were three people in the bedroom, the master bedroom at Panther Creek Court in the early hours of August the 2nd, 2015. One of those is dead. And they are the only ones who know the tr- the real truth of what happened. And he focused, it was critical that he focused on, number one, the differences in injuries. He said these folks walked out effectively unharmed. He noted that Molly Martins had a very fine, delicate bracelet on. It wasn't dented, it wasn't damaged, it wasn't torn. He noticed that the clothing of both Tom and Molly Martins wasn't ripped, wasn't damaged. The elastic wasn't even strained. He noted and I think this was a very important point. And he, 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 ref, he used the phrase, there are holes in this story. And he made the point that, number one, there was a lot of emphasis placed on the fact that Tom Martins was, was 30 years in the FBI. He held the highest level of security in the United States when he worked as a counterintelligence operative with the U.S. Department of Energy. And he said a rookie cop. A rookie police officer is told if you are going into a situation that's threatening or potentially dangerous, the very first thing you do, you ring for backup. He said this man heard screams and thuds from the master bedroom. He jumped out of bed in his boxer shorts and went upstairs with a baseball bat. He did not call for backup. Um, uh, give, me, give me one moment, Ralph. I just need to take a very short break and I will absolutely come straight back to you. Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent is still with us. Uh, Ralph, was there ever an explanation for the paving brick that was on the nightstand in the master bedroom? Yeah, I think that was that was a critical part of the defence case. They 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 were trying to take any negative connotations away from the fact that, that there was a paving brick on Molly Martin's nightstand. And the explanation given was that um, the children and Molly had been talking about painting these type of paving bricks and they were going to be used as like decorative things around the post box and around parts of the garden. Now, what was interesting was that there was different explanations given for where Molly had come up with the idea. Uh, one explanation that was given, I think, by Molly herself was that she came upon it through Pinterest. But one of Molly's friends said, no, 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 we were talking about it. And my kids had painted the, 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 the these type of bricks and Molly was going to paint the bricks with um, with the children as well. And to, to illustrate the point, the defense arrived in one day with a large um, plastic box full of these kind of bricks that they had just bought in a home supplies uh, place here in North Carolina. And it was basically to explain, well, look, this is what was going to happen. But that was her explanation. Right. Um, and you, you say in your reporting um, how... 
Um, Jason's children showed composure beyond their years in their victim impact statements. But what really struck me was the reason for that composure beyond their years is so tragic. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it, it's like there's no words of mine, Joe, can describe how unfair life has been and cruel, actually, to these two children. I mean, they they lost their mother when they were two years and younger and their father was taken from them. They were made orphans by the actions of Molly Martins and her father, Tom, when they were eight and 10 years old. And even, I mean, as bad as that is, these two children have lived half their lives under the shadow of these judicial proceedings that have been really dragging on since 2015. And the judge was so moved by the state. He actually commented on the eloquence, on the intelligence, on how well-spoken both Jack and Sarah were. And I mean, the emotion on this in the courtroom was just, I mean, I'm covering court cases since the 1980s and I would struggle to remember. There have been a few where it's almost nine out of ten, nine out of ten, ten out of ten on the emotion scale, and this was one of them. It was just, I mean, I'd say briefly, Jack had barely started, and Molly Martin's was sobbing, and when Sarah, Jack went first, when Sarah spoke second, Sarah had to compose herself several times through because she was getting emotional, and Jack's voice threatened to break at one point, but he stopped and really impressively composed himself to continue. There were quite lengthy victim impact statements that the two, the two children delivered. And I should stress, the assistant district attorneys involved, um, Alan Martin, Caitlin Jones, and Marissa Parker, they had offered to deliver the victim impact statements on the children's behalf. But both children insisted they wanted to, per- they wrote the victim impact statements themselves. They insisted they personally wanted to deliver, deliver the victim impact statements. And the courage, the dignity was just astonishing. I mean, when Sarah finished, there were sobs echoing around the courtroom. At one point, I looked behind, I could hear sobs behind me. And I looked behind me and one of the American journalists uh, was actually crying. So that'll tell you the level of emotion that was in the court. Yeah, yeah. they wanted to honour their dad. Um, I, they did, Joe. The one thing I would stress, Joe, they, they absolutely did honour their father and any father that no matter where they, no matter where the father is, that would look and see two children like that. I mean, their, their hearts would burst with pride. All right. Well, look, let's hope that they are able to have lives that are, are as normal and interesting and joyous as possible uh, from now on, despite everything that they've gone through. Uh, uh, Ralph, Very much so, Joe. If I would add one thing yes, as well, Joe, just yeah. to say briefly, if you don't mind, no, and, and I apologise for just no, no, taking no, the time. No, no, please do. To stress as well, Joe, the dignity of the Corbett family. Every single member of the family, I mean, have conducted themselves with incredible poise and courage and dignity throughout proceedings that have been really trying, really difficult. Any family would have struggled uh, to maintain their composure. Such were the things that were being said. And and the Corbett family themselves wanted to say that they've been absolutely overwhelmed with the support, um, obviously from the people of Limerick and the people of Ireland, but also from the people of North Carolina. Okay, and Ralph Regal, we want to thank you here at Life 95. There's no way we could have provided the kind of coverage that we've been able to were it not for all of your help and goodwill. And we were very conscious of that and, and thank you most sincerely for it. It was an honour, Joe. Thanks. That's Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent. 
Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.